Hello there. It's me, Joey Scarillo, host and producer of The Five Things. We have something special for you today. Gray is working on a new podcast with our very own Tommy Boyce. It's called Famously Online. It's a Gen Z editorial for a paperless world. Famously Online examines all things new and exciting in the world of social culture and mines these trends for insights into consumers that brands and creatives can use to make famously effective work. And we do it all in less than 15 minutes. But really, it's an opportunity to hang out more with Tommy. We'll keep you posted on when you can listen to more episodes. But in the meantime, we would love to hear what you think of this new show. So please email us at podcast at gray.com after you listen. It would really mean a lot. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new and equally special episode of The Five Things. Okay, so let's get into it with Famously Online. Hello, and welcome to Famously Online by Gray, the show where we make microculture matter and key you into the trends you didn't even know you had to pay attention to. This week, I'm joined by Brandon Solis, the director of Social and Connections at Gray, the man who signed to my checks, to discuss the impending vibe shift, Gen Z millennials battling for cultural supremacy, very dramatic, and the importance of brands and creatives to keep up with trends. Brandon, what's your vibe been lately? Jeez, uh, all things considered, my vibe has been uh, forget about everyone else's vibe and just do my thing. And um, as a person who's like always trying to get a vibe check and perpetuate a vibe, I'm gonna say the word vibe a lot in this uh, conversation, uh, is like, hey, just it's okay to do you. It's okay to do you. I love that. Um, so you might be asking what I mean by an impending vibe shift, and that is an excellent question. The discussion about the titular shift comes from an article published in The Cut by Allison P. Davis. In it, she interviews Sean Monahan, a trend forecaster famous for the coining of Normcore, the act of wearing Seinfeld-esque dad jeans and New Balance sneakers, and they discuss his idea that a vibe shift is coming. We are moving away from one dominant cultural wavelength to the next. If you're confused about why everyone is talking about indie sleaze all of a sudden, this trend harkening back to 2000s, American apparel fashion, messy hair and makeup, and lo-fi visual aesthetic, Monaghan theorizes that it's because the upcoming vibe shift could very well be the return of indie sleaze. So get your low-rise jeans and flash cameras ready. Now, this article is old by 2022 standards, but it's still being talked about, and this idea of a vibe shift is being both examined and made fun of. So I'm not that interested in what actual trend occupies the next cultural wavelength, but to me, this article gets at a really interesting idea being felt and tension being felt between millennials and Gen Zers and how, you know, millennials are kind of declining from this place of cultural dominance and Gen Zers are stepping up to fill this void as we're entering, you know, prime buying and creating age. So Brandon, as someone who's worked in fashion for years, I'm wondering like what you make of this idea of this next vibe shift. It's interesting. I, uh, I actually have literally worked in fashion for years and then um, pre-advertising life. And even getting into advertising, um, I really think ultimately my job is trend spotting. Mm. Um, And I think the biggest learning that I have is everything is cyclical. And 
I do think like as a mid millennial, older millennial, um, I, for some reason f- have this responsibility to like share my learnings about vibes and vibe shifts, which probably no one is really asking for. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm explicitly asking. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of may- maybe that is my vibe. Um, but I think every other generation you'll, you'll see something repeat. And it's just so interesting for me how people want to hold on to something that they feel like is their own and people become defensive over it or they feel like they want to own something because certain uh, phases of your life that becomes your whole identity. And as I believe people aren't able to kind of potentially evolve from that or move from that or grow from that, that becomes the only thing that they have to retain. So there's this weird culture war about this is mine, this is not yours. Even more interesting by the fact that this trend that Gen Z young people are vibing with, for lack of a better term, indie sleaze, is something that millennials made. It's a direct callback to this certain era and aesthetic that was kind of a millennial's first real cultural achievement. And the fact that Gen Z is trying to ape it and steal from it, I think even adds more fuel to the fire of this kind of already existing tension between these two generations and trying to I'm not trying to say millennials are a dying breed because they're not, but at some point, it's. I mentioned in the article too, people will get left behind by this shift. They won't be able to keep up with this next trend just because of it's maybe not out of their it's out of their comfort zone or their wavelength. And I think we're kind of seeing this happen. Uh, well, first of all, we're all we're all of a dying breed, um, <laughs> just as a, as a weird twist. Um, but I think in this indie sleaze example. Um, Maybe we're just jealous because we didn't come up with like a good name for it. And it is a good name. We were just kind of like living and experiencing stuff. And, you know, the the codification of certain vibes and stuff didn't really kind of uh, maybe come into play like culturally um, at at mass. Um, really kind of that classification of things was or uh, genrefication of things was really left for the academics. Um, but just putting something now in a Tumblr or wow, a Tumblr. That's Tumblr just, is dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, millennial easy. Uh, I'm just like anywhere on social yeah. where it's fun to just overclassify and codify things um, has become more prevalent with everybody. Um, when you know Gen Z is tagging something as theirs and they come up with a really cool name for it mm-hmm. or they're self-identifying with it, and it feels like hey, that was actually you know as a millennial like that was actually our thing. We just didn't know what it was called. Yeah. Um, and you know we're we're again just trying to retain any sense of what we thought was cool and ownable to us because we felt like it was it was different, especially when you're speaking about like the icons and those specific people. Like it, those were culture creators, and um, a lot of formative years for for my generation were probably mm-hmm. like those are our north stars, and yeah. those those are our people only because it's what differentiated us from you know, the generation before us. Yeah. I think Gen Z, we have obviously like our cultural icons. We have, you know, our Billie Eilish's and our Olivia Rodrigo's, people who are of our age and really defining what it means to be like a young 20-something. And I think I want to point out that just because something's happening in downtown New York doesn't mean it's actually like a larger cultural shift. Um, I don't know if Indie Sleaze is actually taking up any real weight. I don't know if it will. I know if it's just something that TikTokers like to talk about because again, it's a really good name. Um... But I do think, again, this issue and this fight between these two generations is really fascinating. I think we're going to see this tension over and over like in culture and the work we create as marketers. So, Brandon, how important is it that brands and creatives and strategists and people in this industry keep up with these trends? And how have you found how have you found it doing so? 
Um, I love that you call this strategist. It makes it sound way fancier. Uh, I have a bad habit of saying strategist over strategist. <laughs> My roommate gives me like flack for it. Um, I mean, I, I think it's helpful. Our, our job as strategists uh, is to do and have uh, this academic lens on things of codifying abstract concepts and making them feel tangible um, so we could work with our brand partners to apply our learnings um, of what's happening in culture to what they do day to day. Um, I think where our real job is, it's not just a codification or classification and you're bringing evidence to a client and then them uh, using it as like an a la carte menu to pick which one serves their own needs and wants as a business. Our real job is to like be a maitre d' or to give the recommendation of saying, hey, you know, this is what you're feeling. This, you know, per- this catch of the day is particularly fresh and seasonal. And right now you're trying to, you know, satisfy a fresh and seasonal palate. Um, so therefore, those two things should come together. I think there's like a, a layer or a third axis of information that needs to get implemented so we can make help our our partners our brand partners and clients make better decisions yeah i I believe that it is it's not easy but it's easier to just bring the information and the evidence forward um without any sort of clear brand implications and i think especially in in the age of social media how brands have to make decisions you know faster than ever um trying to keep up with people um we're probably losing some of that that filter or uh application and we're seeing brands trying to keep up with trends and they're failing miserably uh, because they think they're doing it for the right reasons but they're probably lacking um, a layer of consideration i agree and i think there's another level too of how it's important to not just hop on to micro trends on social for a quick headline or a quick viral moment like i think if we saw this brand tweet this morning that was it was a candy brand that referred to their product as the he they of the day which is this really fun tweet by this random user who will take a picture of like Snuffleupagus or Blue from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends and be like, they are the key they of the day, which is great. But it's weird when a brand does it, when it doesn't concern them all and they're trying to cram their way in that space. So I think it's even more important for us to just take a stock of where culture is as opposed to like, oh, Wordle's hot, let's make a Wordle post. Let's do a Squid Game post, things like that. So I think it's just taking the cultural temperature. That to me is much more important and meaningful and making good work that will actually connect with people than trying to like tag yourself into these really quick micro trends that are even more accelerated just by how rapid fire things are on social media now because of well not just because of tiktok but especially in a post tiktok age where everything's just coming at you 90 miles an hour yeah i think you know before when brands and strategists were were uh, working more closely together and advertisers and marketers were trying to find those opportunities for brands uh, the frequency was much lower, right? The frequency of, of cultural trends, it's like, you know, 2005, everyone's into recycling. So now brands could, you know, circle around recycling and they could speak to this larger cultural zeitgeist moment of, you know, going green or whatever it may be. But the frequency of trends is so high and it's ephemeral now because of social media. Uh, like you said, the it accelerates so quickly. And sometimes we're, to your point, not taking stock and and that and then we're trying to jump into everything i think every cultural opportunity is not a brand opportunity i think you know we have a responsibility and it, it is our job and it's a kind of a fun one to identify and see cultural opportunities but to know when it's not a brand opportunity and saying no i think is probably the you know more of a challenge than we expect 
I think that is a fantastic note to end things on. So two takeaways from this episode. I think that we're going to see this tension between Gen Z and millennials show itself in interesting ways as we see Gen Z pick up the mantle for creating culture and consuming culture. And also, again, echoing Brandon's great point, cultural conversations and opportunities are happening more and more often online. But that does not mean that we as advertisers and as brands should necessarily tap in. It's important for us to figure out what works for us, what moments will fit our brand and actually allow us to connect with people as opposed to what will be, you know, a cute moment that will get us a couple couple thousand retweets or so or a thousand likes. All right, so this was Famously Online by Gray, the show where we make microculture matter. I'd like to thank Brandon so much for joining me this week and discussing the vibe shift. If you haven't already, please follow us on Apple and Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, and spread the word. Tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell your upstairs neighbor. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next time and don't let the vibe hit you on your way out. Famously Online is produced by me, Tommy Boyce, Joey Scarillo, and Danielle Hunt. For more great podcasts, check out Five Things This Week in Social with new episodes every Monday and Grey Matter, a podcast about ideas, all episodes streaming wherever podcasts are found.